good morning to you. I'm glad you're here today. Uh, I want to pray because I want you to know that there's a reason why you're here this morning. That the theme about today as we move into why do we adore the Savior of the world is because this is a, this is a rescue story for us. And so let me pray because we're going to hopefully give you some words that will help you understand that He came to rescue you. So let's pray. God, I thank you that at the beginning of time, you had a plan that your desire was that we would be adopted into your family as your children. And God, I know the value of that better now than ever. And I just say thank you, God, that the plan that you made from the, the beginning of the foundation of time was that we would be, all would be adopted into your family. Regardless of our past or our current situation, you desire us to be your children. And Father, as we walk through and get closer to Christmas, that the birth of the Savior of the world, as we talk today, is really a rescue story. You came to rescue us from us. You came to rescue us from whatever devices we use to try to figure out this world and this life that we live. And I just say thank you, God, for that. And I say thank you. And I pray that everybody in this room would know that the Savior of the world we, that we'll celebrate came to rescue them, regardless of their past or their present situation. And I pray that we would respond to that accordingly. It's in your name that I pray. Amen. I am in trouble. I got to tell you, um, y'all ate really good if you came early. Sonny's right. I'm, I'm, and then you get the, the music, and then you get me. And I'm like, man, I'm in trouble. And so... Corey was right earlier, you know, you, you ate really good. Some of you don't eat that well, typically. You get your food and you go. And so I'll tell you this funny story because this happened. That way if somebody next to you falls asleep, don't do this. Um, years ago, my guy I used to work with, he would uh, take his, his grandmother to church every Sunday. And every Sunday, as soon as the guy started preaching, she would fall asleep and lean against him every Sunday. And Don said, you know, Danny, normally it didn't bother me too much, but this one time his grandmother fell asleep and was leaning on him, so she, he kind of just gave her a little nudge, and she went the other way. Now, you would think that that in itself is not a big deal, but during the sermon, the lady behind her stands up and says, she's dead! <laughs> so, just giving you fair warning, if somebody falls asleep, they didn't die, okay? They just fell asleep. Everybody's going to be wide awake now. Just don't, hey, make sure, just make sure, give me a nudge. We are, we are walking through getting up to Christmas Eve service, and if you've got your Bibles, go to Coloss or Colossians, Galatians, there we go, Galatians 3, at the end of 3, we're going to go from 26 into chapter 4. And I'm fighting a cold. Um, in all my years, I've never, ever gotten a flu shot. I got a flu shot, and now I have a cold. I know they're two separate things, but it seems ironic. <laughs> and so I'm fighting a cold like no other, but that's just the way it goes sometimes. Um, you saw this video about being this idea about that God sent a plan in play to adopt us. And I just think that's a beautiful thing. I want to read this to you. God's purpose for our spiritual journey is that we would pass from the self-savior, 
rule following. We talk about that a lot. We're going to talk more about that here in just a second. Into a personal relationship with the Savior of the world. And that's the birth of Christ. That's why He's here. And so we're going to look at, kind of break it down into the last part of chapter 3 of, of Galatians and then into chapter 4 because you kind of get a really neat thing tying us into Christmas. And so let's look at this. Paul said these words. He said, for in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. Now, I want to help you out. This was just in that season, the way that they, they wrote the Scripture was primarily written towards men, women. This applies to everybody. I just want to make sure everybody understands that. For in Christ, you are all sons of God through faith. The, the, the key word in there is in Christ, not in yourself, not in anything else. It's in Christ. And the, and the plan is that all of us would be children of Christ. And the reason that Paul is saying this is because you had a division. You had Greeks, you had Gentiles, you had Jews, and everybody didn't play well together. They all had their pathway to Jesus. They all had their pathway of faith. And so in verse 27, he says this. He says, for as many of you of you as were baptized in Christ have put on Christ. Is it this new clothing? You've you've given rid of your old self and you put on this new self, which is Christ. And verse 20 says this says, There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ. He's trying to get the church to come together and say the most important thing whether it's your political differences, your, your the philosophical differences, whatever differences you have, the one common thing we have is Christ. That's the one thing that we can come together about. And he says, regardless of your background, whatever it is, the one thing we have together is Christ. The light, the candle is illuminating, is, is, that's the one thing we can all focus on. Can you agree right now we live in a culture that is very fragmented about opinions about everything? Am I right? And the one thing we should be able to come to is this, is that Christ is the center of hope, is the light of the world. And for all of us, that's the one thing we can agree on. And that's what he's telling all of those different parties, is that we can't agree on this, and you should agree on this. Everything else we can figure out. In verse 20, it says, if, if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the problem, of promise. That key word, if you've been with me if, or if you're new to us, one of the words, I like words because if is a powerful word because it also means it may not be. You may not. If means you could be, but you may not be. And he says that if you are Christ, that means if Christ, if you are Christ's child, then you, the promise is yours. If you are a child of God, the promise is yours. Regardless of where you've been, what you've done, if you're a child of God, all that stuff can get figured out, and that's important. He says, if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. You know, an heir means that you get, you get the benefit of what Jesus has done for you. You get all of it. You don't get some of it. You get all of it, and that's important. And I think for all of us is to understand that when Christ came for us, His desire, the plan from the beginning of Christ's birth was for you and I to be His children, all of us. Many of you know we adopted our little girl. Um, be, you know, she's been with us for two and a half years now. And, and I want you to, you, it's hard to visualize, but um, towards the end of the final adoption journey that we were on, they asked Beth and I to come in and look at her case file. 
And I'm thinking, well, what can a four-year-old have? And so Beth and I asked us, well, how long will this take? She says, well, do you, you got about four or five hours? We're like, what? No, really? I mean, really? I'm, I, need to, I, need to draw, I need to visualize this, and I'm going to do this. I just was thinking of this. You know when you, sometimes when you think on the spur of the moment, and you think you're just going to, um, so I'm going to do this, and so you'll, you'll appreciate this. So when they, they bring in the books, and they're books, they bring in the books, and there are three volumes, and they set them in front of us, and babe, I'm not exaggerating when I'm that tall. It's more than that. Okay? And there and they were three volumes. And this is before, this was after she had entered the system. So there was probably, if you could have added, you would have. It would have been taller than this. And in this volume, we saw everything, the good, the bad, and the really ugly that happened either to my daughter or in front of my daughter or around my daughter and all the people who had failed my daughter in four years. And it was, as my wife would say, it was taller than this. And so we thought when we got there, we'll be there for an hour or two, we'll thumb through a couple of pages of some things and then we'll plow on. And she said, I felt like I was reading... um, uh, you know, some giant novel, and you, I, I remember looking through it, and it was over, I have to admit, it was almost overwhelming to, to think that that much had happened to my little girl in four and a half years. And the reason that they wanted to show us that is because they wanted us to have our eyes wide open in what we were getting into. The reason that Jesus was born was for you, and his eyes are wide open in your life. He sees your whole notebooks. He sees it all. He sees every ounce of your life. He sees the volumes, the good, the bad, the ugly of your life, and he says, I'm still coming for you. I'm still here for you. It hasn't changed. Because they showed us that, and they were like, well, what do you think? I'm like, Pfft. That ship has sailed a long time ago. We love that girl. We're adopting that girl. I don't care. Whatever the junk she has, we'll figure it out. And we have. And so when you think about Jesus coming, he looks at the volumes of your life. He says, I've come to rescue you from you, from whatever has been done to you or in spite of you or other people. doesn't matter. I've come for you. And that rescue story is for you. And so here Paul is trying to tell everybody, if you are a child of God, the volumes that have been happened, okay. Jesus came to heal you from that. And so we, we plowed on. We, she's like, you good? We're like, had we not even seen the volumes? We still, it, it, I mean, we were, she was ours. We love her. And I just, I just that, that image of the birth of our Savior coming, knowing full well all of our stuff and saying, I love you, period. No addendums. No fine print. I came for you to redeem you from yourself, from whatever. And so let's look at that. Let's know, we're going to jump now into chapter 4 of Galatians because Paul says this. 
And I've got to have Kleenex. I'm sorry. Can you... Okay, I'm good. Thank you. I didn't want you to hear that trumpet sound that you think Jesus is coming back or something. Even sick, I could have a sense of humor. Okay, let's keep moving. Verse 1 of chapter 4. He says, I mean that heir, as long as he is a child, there's no difference from them. There's, he says, there's no, there's no difference. Once you're a child, everybody's the same. That's a beautiful thing. Though he is the owner of everything, but he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. He says, he's talking about even slaves are free. He says, in the same way, they also, when they were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of this world. He's talking to the people, even though they were child of God, that they, because if you go back to Galatians 1, what they were starting to do was add to the gospel, like somehow it needed some help. Like somehow, well, this is pretty good, but we need to make sure. And so uh, if you were with me a couple of years ago, we did the book of Galatians. Jesus plus anything else is not the true gospel. Okay, just remember that. If somebody tries to add to the story of Jesus, it's not the true gospel. What he did was enough, end of story. And so he's trying to remind them of this because he said it back in chapter 1, and now he's reminding them again in chapter 4. And he says, he says move on from the elementary teachings. Let me just help you. Uh, we've been talking about this. Um, if you go out the exit doors as you're going out, later on, 5 plus 5 plus 5. Jump in with me and read the gospel, the, the New Testament, starting January 1. It's five minutes a day, five times a week, meditating on five questions. It's pretty easy. We're going to read through it together. I was going to do it, but I thought I'd just ask my family, church family, to jump in with me. The plans are there. They're also at our website. If you want to help you grow and move on from elementary teachings, one of the ways to do that is to immerse yourself in God's Word. Okay? Jump in. It's going to be good. All right? Because Paul gives us, a, here's the reason if we don't move on from elementary teachings, is this. Legalism takes us backwards in our faith. Legalism is this way of measuring, of marking, this is how, if I just do this, 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 if I just do this. Legalism is one of the, is one of the ways that we are spiritually blind because we measure our spiritualness based on everybody else and not on the Word of God and God's standards, right? So when you do, if I look at Sonny and I go, man, I'm doing great. Or if I look at Sonny and go, I'm horrible. I'm a terrible Christian. Look how spiritual he is. I'll never, I'm, I'm just going to quit going to church. Or on the other side of it, I look at Sonny and go, man, Sonny is in, a, man, he's in big trouble. I'm doing great. God, you should be thankful I'm on the team. And you see, because legalism has lots of, you can either puff yourself up to something you're not or beat yourself up to something that you're not, and then you just, you're, you're lost. And so he is saying, move on from those elementary teachings, because legalism takes us backwards, not forwards. And then verse 4 is kind of where we get to where we are today as we're getting closer to Christmas. He says, but in the fullness of time, in the fullness of time, how many of you, me being an, a new parent at an older age of life, how many of you that when you're trying to get your kids out the door seem to move in slow motion? How many of you have a chill, adults 
spouses, they seem to move in slow motion. Don't look. I am amazed. My, Beth and I were talking about this. That when you're trying to move your children out the door, everything all of a sudden goes into slow motion. It's like, like are we in a time warp of some kind? Because you're like walking slowly. Everything is slower. Now, I know some of y'all, y'all like to do this just to antagonize, right? So, I, I mean, I'm, I'm talking to Beth about this, and then this morning, and I say, hey, I'm, I go into my daughter's room, and I say, oh, well, it's time to go. I'm like, it, it went in this ear, and I think it bounced and came right back out. And so everything was moving slower. Everything was moving at her pace, and Beth, Beth and I were learning that as parents, a kid's clock is different than an adult or parent clock. It just is. It just is. Right or wrong, it just is. Um, I, I remember when my, my sister, my middle sister, Donna, uh, my, she, was, uh, she had a, a pace about her. It was a slow pace. She went at her pace. Now, I remember my mom um, said, we need to be across town in 15 minutes. And we lived on the base. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh-huh. We need to go now. Okay. Like right now. Okay. And, and finally, my mom said, Donna, if the house was burning down, you'd be the last to leave. <laughs> my sister said, yeah, probably. <laughs> I was laughing because that's all you can do. But it's funny because God has a way of teaching you about time. He has a way of teaching you about time that maybe you don't realize. And, and this is the thing that we don't like as Christians. When we pray or when we ask God to do something, we want it when? Right now. It's funny because when we pray, because we live in a society that says when you do something or you ask something, you expect it to be done when? Now. By and large, not yes, not next week, now. And so when God steps into this whole journey and He says, in the fullness of time, it isn't like He went, oh, goodness, I forgot to send Jesus. He knew what He was doing. He knew when He was doing it, and He knew how to do it. And so the fullness of time is funny because Jesus operates on a time that we don't fully comprehend. And we want to, but we don't. Jesus, God doesn't send His Son going, oh, that's right. We need to go now. I completely... He had His plan. And I mean, when, you, when you read that fullness, it mean, here's what you need to catch. In the fullness, is he, he, under, he knows what He's doing. He knows where He's headed. He knows that this is part of the plan. He never shows up too late or too early. It's always right. And so verse, verse 1 of chapter 4 says, But when the fullness of time had come, when God said, Okay, son, it's time. We had set this plan in play. Now let's do it. In the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that they might, they might receive adoption as sons. See, the beautiful thing is that Jesus came at the right time. And I've got to tell you something, for everyone in this room, He shows up at the right time in your life if you'll let Him. He shows up at the right time, just when you need Him the most, He steps in and says, 
I'm here. I'm here. I've got you. I haven't quit on you. I was born. I saw your case file. I'm still good. I'm still good. I came to redeem that. I came to heal that. I came to restore that. I love this. It, it, it's like when he shows up in your life, it's always the right time. And if you'll allow him to respond, he'll do what he does best. He says, to redeem those who were under the law. See, the, the law started to get oppressive. The, I've said this a lot, whether you've been with me in the Galatians or the Romans. The law in the Old Testament was designed to be guardrails, to point you to the fact you needed a Savior, not to replace it. And what happened was, is it replaced the Savior of the world. Let me just follow some laws. And guess what that takes you to? Right to legalism. Okay? So, Jesus says, I'm here to take care of that, if you'll let me. And the laws were good. They had intentions, and they were, they had a, they were guardrails to point you to the fact you needed a Savior because the, the laws weren't enough. They were just there to point you, not to save you. But they got, they got twisted. And the whole purpose was for adoption. And because you are sons, and God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts crying, Abba, Father. And I wrote this down. Abba, Father is intimacy with Jesus. Is that you have this connection. The verse 7 says, you are no longer a slave but a son. And if a son, then heir through God. See, when we were, when he set this whole thing in motion for Christ to be born, he saw the case file and he said, yeah, I know. But I'm still coming. I'm still coming for you. I'm still coming to redeem you, to heal you. And if you've been a slave to rules or your past or your current situation, I've, came, I've come to redeem that. I've come to heal that. I've come to take you from being a There's nothing worse than being a slave. There's nothing worse because you are not, you have no say-so. You are bound to whatever it is, and you, are, you do what you're told to do, and depending on the situation, you have no, you, you have no thought process. How do we know this? Because the Israelites, when they, they exit out of Egypt, they are free people for the first time in centuries. And what do they do? The first thing they do is lean right back to idol worship because that's all they know. And then, G, and then God is spending the next, next years trying to undo that because they were slaves to their past. And I, I have to believe that in this room this year, as we get closer to 2020, that some of you are slaves to grief, to pain, to discouragement, to pride, to envy, to anger, to resentment, to lust, to loneliness, and the list can go on and on. And the birth that we celebrate and that we will celebrate is saying, I came to redeem that. I came to rescue you. I came to free you. Most of us in this room want to live as free people in Christ, but it takes a lot of courage. It takes a lot of guts to say, God, I've been enslaved by this all year long, and I've allowed it to hijack my year. And if I don't respond to you in some capacity, 2020 will be no different than 2019. Does that make sense? And so when he comes and he says, in the fullness of time had come, God sent forth a son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that they might, 
might is similar to if. You might, you might not. You have to receive it. If you want to receive it, it means you've got to put out your hands and say, I'll take it. Some of you will likely exchange gifts, either now or up through Christmas or on the other side. And you get a, you get a gift because you put your hands out and somebody places it in your hands. And the only way that gift is actually a gift is you actually have to unwrap it and see what it says for you. And see, what Jesus says is, I've come to redeem you, to restore you, to free you, but you've got to put your hands out and take the gift and actually open the gift to see what I got for you. And you are sons when God sent His Spirit into our hearts saying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. And I love a couple things. If you're taking notes, these are some freebies. God sent His Son to redeem, uh, redeem and to adopt. And I, the adopt, and I remember Beth and I saying this to our little girl, is we want you. We want you. And we still say that to her. We want you. You're always ours. We want you to make slaves into sons and daughters. See, His, his birth... The Jesus' birth was to take slaves and say, I want you to be sons and daughters, free of your past or of your present situation. I want you to live free, but that means you've got to receive me. You've got to take me. You've got to take me where, I, where we are. I love this too. Fullness of time, Jesus was the perfect qualified sacrifice. There didn't need to be something else. There didn't be an addendum to it. He was the perfect qualified sacrifice for our lives. There were no other qualifications needed. You didn't have to check off any more boxes. You, you didn't have to go, wow, is this enough? Jesus was enough. And I love this. The Holy Spirit is in us and validates that we are children of God. I don't know about you, but aren't there some days that you need to hear from the Holy Spirit that you are still His child? You do. You do. I do. There are days when it's just hard and you're like, man, God, I could just use an encouraging word. And he will whisper to you, you're still my child. It's not too late. I know you've had a hard season, grief, loss, whatever. But the birth of the Savior of the world came to redeem, came to free, came to restore. But you have to be willing to receive that because if you don't, you will walk into 2020, and I'll help you out with something. It will get worse and not better. I know this. If you, don't, if you don't allow God and what His Son did for you to do what He came to do, it will get worse and not better. You will find yourself in deeper situations. You will find yourself struggling. You will find yourself going, oh, I'm just going to quit going to church. I know that story is good, and I know it's true. And the Savior of the world came to redeem. And then when the Spirit speaks into your life, He's not speaking like, well, I, I better just throw out some encouragement. He wants you to know that you are still His child and don't let Him, let him heal, let Him redeem, let Him restore. Romans 5.8 says this. It says, God shows us His love for us that while, while we are still sinners, Christ died for us. And see, you need to remember that, that Christ came for us... That, that, that verse is so soothing to me. 
because it says that Christ came wild. That means that in my, in my most sinful nature, Christ came and still died. He didn't, he didn't look at the case file and go, whoa, Danny, whoa, you need to clean up some stuff first. He said, while I was a sinner, he came and died for me. And I love that. And he says that to us. And that's a promise. That shows us who he is. And then Jesus said these words in John 8, 34 through 36. It says, Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. If, there's our word again, so if the son sets you free, you are free indeed. If the son has set you free, not something else, because here's what I know, if something else has set you free, then there's always a shadow of doubt. Am I really rescued? Am I really free? And so if something else has rescued you, there's always a, that little voice going, have you done enough? Are you really sure? And that's why Jesus, and that's why we get this all the way through. If the Son has set you free, you're free. Live that way. And the birth of the Savior of the world came to set us free, to rescue us, to redeem us, to restore us. But we have to be willing to take the gift. I remember uh, right after... Uh, Gosh, it was, I think it was Christmas a year ago, right after we adopted our girl. Um, uh, we had, how many of you had, a, like, you, your, your children, like, you, you really had a bad day? You, we, I know that doesn't happen, but I've heard it happens. And so, she had a bad day, and she, and she looked at me, and she said, well, do you want to give me back? And I was like, what? No, that ain't happening. That ain't, no. And, and let me just tell you something. Jesus isn't going to give you back, ever. If you're His, He doesn't go, whoa, you had a really bad day. You know what He says tomorrow, as I tell my daughter, tomorrow's a new day. And you take that. And I rest in that as an adult. I don't always get it right as a parent, as a husband, as a pastor, as a person, as a child of God. But I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, we have a Savior of the world that was born to rescue me and you. And He says, tomorrow's a new day. Let's rest on that. You're still loved. You're still my child. I saw your case file. I still love you. I came for you. Now go sleep. And I, I'm just... After this year, I've, I've walked with some people through some heavy stuff this year, and I want you to know that God came for you to redeem you, to heal you, to rescue you, that the birth of His plan was the fullness of time, was a plan. It wasn't arbitrary. It wasn't, go, well, we better figure something out. It was the plan from the beginning for all of us. And that should give you hope, that should give you peace, that should give you comfort, that regardless of your past or your present situation, the birth of the Savior of the world is for you. He came to make you sons and daughters, and I love that. I love what Timothy Keller said into that, that regard. He says, our inheritance is not a prize to be won, it is a gift from Christ. But you've got to stick out your hands and take the, take the gift and then open it and see what's there. It's a beautiful thing. 
So let me ask you a question before we close. Are you acting like a slave who's afraid of God or a child who's assured of the Father's love? Think about that. Are you acting like a slave? Because I'll tell you how you're acting like a slave is if you're keeping rules. Yep, I went to church. Yep, I tithe. Yep, I brought my Bible. Yep, I went to a life group. Yep, I... I, did, I took 15 items exactly through the self-checkout. I did, yep. Somebody sent me a picture, and I'm going to have to talk to Dylan's about this. They have now changed that rule, complete sidebar. They now say up to or around. They've, they've softened that rule. We're going to have to talk. The point is, is that if you look at that and you're acting like a slave, then you're not sure that you've done enough, that there is... Something more I better do just to be safe. I better go to Christmas Eve service because that's pretty close to Sunday, so I'll get some bonus points. It's not how it works. It's about, I'm going to do the reading plan because I know that God will be happy with me. No, God will be happy with you if you'll just surrender yourself and know that what He did for you was for you. Okay? The reading plan is a great thing. It's a good thing. But if you think you're going to get some brownie points with him or with me, no. Are you acting like a slave who's afraid of God or a child who's assured? I hope you're assured. And one of the things I've learned about adopting a a child out of foster care is that my girl, and this is something I've learned, is there's no different than any other person in this room. You want to be assured that you are loved. And you know how you know that? Is when somebody tells you and they show you. And that's the birth of Christ. Not only does he tell you that you're loved, but he shows you that he loved. He says, while we were still sinners, he died for us. So not only did he tell you, but he showed you. And then I'll close with this out of Matthew 1, 21 through 23. And it says this. It says, she, shall, she will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill, fullness of time, what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. That's a personal God. That's not a distant God. That's not a God that you go, what is that God really like? That says with us, that when we are His children, He is with us. There is something so beautiful about, uh, I, if, if you have been adopted or if you've adopted or if you've done foster care or if you have done any of that kind of stuff, then you see the, the beauty of, of recognizing that when you take somebody and you look at their past and you go, I still want you. I still want you. And Jesus goes, I look at your past or your present and he goes, I still want you. I still want you. And it's not a, oh, oh I guess. It's a resounding, I want, you. I want you. I want you to be my son. I want you to be my daughter. I don't care. And what we celebrate at Christmas, Emmanuel, God with us. God with you. So will you receive that gift that Christ is giving you and open up this saving you from yourself, 
slave no more, redeem you, heal you, restore you, give you hope as you walk into 2020, I promise you, you've got to let Jesus do those things. What he came to do was for you. And if you don't harness that, the end of 2020 could be worse than the end of 2019. And you think, how? I promise you, it can't be. Please let the Savior of the world do what he came to do. Let's pray. God, I am so thankful for a rescue story because I can't rescue myself and I need of the perfect rescuer and that is your son. And I say thank you for a son who was born for the sole purpose to save us, to save us in our worst moment that he said, while I was a sinner, I came and died for Danny. And I say thank you, God, for that. And I pray for some or many in this room that they would know the power of redemption. They would know the power of freeing up from what's been, what we've been bound to. I pray for some in this room, God, that they just need to know that, that you would whisper in their ear that they are still your child and they are deeply loved by you. And I pray that they would hear that this morning. I say thank you, God, for the rescue story because I needed it and I still need it. I say thank you, God, that your desire from the, the fullness of time was to send your son at the perfect right time to redeem us from ourselves. And I thank you, God, that you are never in a hurry and you are never too slow, but your timing is always right. And I ask God for the next few moments, if there are some in here that the gift of your, of your son they've never received, that they would have the courage to talk to myself, Keith, Brad, Corey, or anybody else to understand what it means to receive that gift. Some in this room have received that gift, but they need to hear from you pretty clearly that they are still loved by you, that, they, that you are in the restoration business, and that never stops with any of us. God, I pray that we would know and we would swallow our pride and know that we need a rescuer, and it's not us, it's your son. It's in your name that I pray. Amen. I ask you to stand. Uh, myself.